Welcome to The Father's Heart with Tom Clark, better known as Papa Tom. Good morning. This is Papa Tom at The Father's Heart Talk Show. And we have with us this morning Greg Atkinson, author and an entrepreneur, former pastor, who's written a book about the secret power of kindness. And uh, our audience knows that our mission statement is bringing the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers, lest they smite the land with a curse. And the show is relationship about uh, the relational area. And certainly one of the most important things we can do in our lives to have connection with other people is to understand kindness. I remember um, Jimmy Valvano used to say his father taught him uh, if he wants to live a successful life, he should do three things every day. And one day, every day he should learn something new. And number two, he should um, laugh. And the third thing was to do a kind act for someone who couldn't repay it. So we're not gonna do a deep dive today into this aspect of kindness and why kindness is so important to our lives and why it's so important to connect us with one another. We live in a world where many people are running around scared and afraid of different things and that, that fear uh, disconnects and alienates us. But kindness connects and we wanna learn more today uh, and I hope we trust our audience will learn some very important things they can apply their lives from Gray Atkinson, the author of The Secret Power of Kindness. So with that, Greg, share a little bit with the audience about yourself. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I'm here in the uh, late Norman area, and uh, I'm a husband, father, uh, three adult kids. I have two kids in college and one kid in uh, grad school. And um, I spent uh, over two decades in vocational ministry as a pastor at various churches. And in the last uh, eight years have worked for myself as an entrepreneur and business leader. And now I do uh, a lot of coaching and life coaching and working with entrepreneurs and business leaders and um, doing a lot now in the area of marketplace ministry. and helping those who are believers in a, in a work context, mm -hmm. context that do some kind of business role. But, um, but yeah, I, I did, this is my fifth book and I uh, worked on it for four years. I've been thinking about kindness for four years and marinating on it and thinking through it, studying it, researching it. And, um, it came out, uh, recently and the reception has been great. And, a lot of what people are resonating with is uh, my personal story. Um, I love the story, the, the name of the show, you know, in the, in the book, in the first chapter, I share about my relationship with my father, with my dad. And um, my dad was named Tom and my son is named Tommy. Really? And so um, there's a very, we go deep at the very beginning and a lot of people, um, just love how I start out with the chapter on forgiveness and how I had to forgive my earthly father. And I talk about our relationship and my dad died 27 years ago. So I was, I was my son's age. I was 21 and my son is now 21. But, um, but the father relationship is very personal to me and is something that I think a lot of people need to talk more about. And in the book, I share about um, my mentor here in Charlotte 
had told me years and years ago that every man has a father wound and a church wound. And so I just opened the book talking about my father wound and what it was like growing up in my home. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that's very interesting that your father's name was Tom or Thomas, and, and you have a son named Tom and Thomas too. That name goes very, uh, very um, strong in my family line. Uh, my father named me Thomas uh, after his older brother who died. And uh, his father never got over it. And um, it's, uh, it's a very important thing for me to learn uh, during my lifetime how important um, my father's relationship with his father was. He was actually abused by his dad. And uh, that, that abuse came as a result of the hurt and pain that my father's father had over the death of his oldest son, Thomas, and the right. anger that he felt you know, for, uh, against God for allowing his son to die. And uh, I was actually scheduled to die too, if you would, I call it that. And um, I was on, on the block, so to speak, to, to die. Um, I had spinal meningitis when I was about, just before I was three years old. And my mother prayed the prayer of Hannah. And in praying the prayer of Hannah, she dedicated my life to God. And I was miraculously healed one night, completely. And it was uh, a result of um, my understanding that there's places in life where we need to commit our children to God. And uh, the, the love of the Father's heart for us is, is embedded in those things that go very, very deep. So uh, that's very interesting about your dad. Tell, tell the audience a little bit more about um, your, uh, your relationship with your dad. You say he died 27 years ago when you were 21. So you were already fairly well along in life at 21. Uh, and you, you weren't a kid anymore. Uh, I'm assuming you were in college at that time. And it was the weekend of my college graduation. Yeah, I just wow. graduated college. So my dad saw me graduate college and then a couple of days later just dropped dead of a heart attack. But for me, it was uh, it's been difficult. And I've, I've been through a lot of therapy because I didn't get the closure that I would like to have now as an older adult mm -hmm. uh, to be able to look him in the eye and talk man to man and to say, you know, hey, this hurt me. This hurt me because. I had an abusive relationship with my dad as well. And um, one of the things that I vowed is that when I have kids, I'm going to be a better earthly father. You know, we all know there's no such thing as a perfect earthly father, but I wanted my kids to not grow up in a dysfunctional home and to not face uh, criticism and abuse and all the stuff that I grew up with. And so I, I thank God that I have a great relationship with my adult kids. The very first page of my book, um, right when you open it up, you see endorsements for my three adult kids. Uh, I was blessed to get 45 end endorsements for this book, including some very notable people. But my favorites and my publisher's favorites are the first three that are my three adult kids that endorsed their dad mm. in this book. But um, I opened the book. Uh, the book features kind of 10 keys, 10 keys to unlocking kindness in your life. Mm -hmm. And the very first chapter that I dive into is unlocking forgiveness. And I talk about forgiveness and what I had to go through the process of forgiving my earthly father. I was also uh, abused as a boy, uh, sexually abused, and I had to 
go through forgiveness with that, with uh, whoever did that when I was younger. Um, I was too young to know their name, but I know it happened. And um, also to somebody else I care about, uh, we were both in a daycare where that where that happened when we were young. But I've had to work through a lot of forgiveness. And in the beginning of the book, I share this uh, this little little thing that says John Stott quotes the administrator of the largest psychiatric hospital in London, who said, "If people here only knew what it means to forgive." I could dismiss half of them at once. In the same way, when a news reporter asked Billy Graham, what do you see as the biggest obstacle in people's lives? Reverend Graham responded, unforgiveness. I believe that 75% of patients in hospitals would be made whole if they would forgive. So uh, my heart was to start with a story of forgiveness. Well, that's that's the um, very great place to start. It's something that we, uh, we need to close the segment in a minute, but... Uh, um, we want to certainly pick up on those thoughts and also what was happening in my life, the parallels, which I didn't even realize before we had this interview with your father and my father and the abuse issue that was involved with that. So we'll be back in a moment with Greg Atkinson. We are back with Greg Atkinson, and he's telling us about his book, The Secret Power of Kindness. And we're starting the beginning of the first chapter, which is going to go a deep dive into forgiveness and how important it was. He, he read two quotes about how important it is that we have forgiveness in our lives. It's probably the most important issue that a person can have for mental health. If you want to be mentally health, healthy uh, in, your, in your soul, you need to start on, on get out of the dugout and be in the first base. You want to get in the batter's box, you've got to have forgiveness in your heart. So Greg, tell us a little bit more, your audience, about why you started and um, in your personal life to understand your forgiveness was how so important to you. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I have a pretty unique story and uh, have, uh, since I was a young child, been able to hear from God and uh, be uh, in a close relationship with God. And so uh, I share a personal story in the book that the day that my dad died, I had already graduated college. We had a cookout and a celebration. And then I went back home to my dorm where I was still living because I hadn't moved out of college yet, even though I graduated. And um, I was reading in my Bible and got to a place in Psalms where it says that God is a father to the fatherless. And I had a habit of circling or highlighting something in my Bible and writing the date next to it. So I underlined, he's a father to the fatherless. <clears throat> and then I wrote 5-27-97. And um, about five, 10 minutes later, my uncle called me and told me my dad had died wow. and just died, dropped dead of a heart attack. And I looked down at my Bible where I had just underlined, he's a father to the fatherless. And that for me, is when my relationship with my Heavenly Father took on a whole new meaning. Mm. And I realized everything that was missing with my earthly father, I could find in my Heavenly Father. And then I also just vowed to uh, try to be, uh, with God's help, the best father that I could be one day when I had kids. And later when I was 25, I had my first daughter. And, um, and now, as I mentioned, have two daughters and a son. And... Um, 
I have not always been, uh, you know, batting a thousand. Uh, I, I love you use the baseball analogy because I'm a big baseball fan, but I, um, I think I do have a very healthy relationship with my kids and I have their respect and their love. And as I mentioned, their endorsement of my book, which means the world to me. And so, mm-hmm. um, I, I wanted to, uh, address my father wound. So I spent a lot of time in therapy and group therapy and men's retreats and a lot of stuff dealing with this father wound and then took on different mentors. And I had three mentors here in Charlotte, uh, great men of God older than me. And one was the one who said, Greg, every man has a father wound. And so he kind of just gave me permission to peel back the layers and deal with it. You know, when I first had my first son, Isaac, I, first of all, it was very important to me that I didn't call him Thomas, named after me, that I named him something different because I realized that my children weren't my children. They were actually belonged to God. And I knew I didn't know how to be a good father. And I used to go with walks with him. And I, he, he was just a couple of months old and I was snuggly. I remember walking with him in the snuggly and, and uh, outside our house. Uh, we lived in a log home, actually, in northern Virginia uh, on five acres, and I used to go for walks all the time with him in, my, in, my, in the snuggly. And I used to talk to God with him uh, while I was going on these walks. And I'd say, I know so many fathers that made their love for their sons and their children particularly conditional. Yeah, you do this, like a quid pro quo, you do this, and I'll respond this way. You know, they wanted him to jump through hoops to get their father's love. And I knew... it. it I knew intrinsically that, that was wrong. Intestinally, I should say that that was wrong. That it, it shouldn't be conditional, but I didn't know how to not make it conditional. I didn't know how to be a good father. So I think the first step to learning to be a good father is to admit that you don't know how to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, then what's the next step? And ask God to show you how to do it. And the first step that he'll show you how to do it, I believe, will be unconditional love. Because that's what's in the Father's heart. Yeah. It's, if you want to be a good father, you have to have God the Father's heart in you. And you have to ask for it because nobody's going to, you know, it's not going to just happen uh, you know, by osmosis. It's gonna, something that's going to happen if you want it to happen. And you want to you you recognize you need it and you ask for it. And those are the kinds of things. I mean, it's just, I just marvel at the communication you already had with God, your father, when you were in, in uh, writing in Psalms and he gave you that Psalm about that he's a father to the fatherless. Because so often our wounds that you're, I'm sure you're meant to brought up, you said father wounds. The father wound has come from our, usually our biological fathers, or sometimes it could be a surrogate father, but most often it's the, it's the biological father. Um, so many people suffer from uh, the wound of just absentee fatherhood, that the father's not even there. And then on top of that, you have people who are there and then that, and they're not good fathers. They're, they're, they have their own issues and they're, and they're fighting or responding out of their own hurts and pains. And they say, hurt people hurt people. So if you have a father that's hurt and he's got to turn around and hurt you. You know, my father was uh, abused, as I said, by his, my, my grandfather out of the pain that he was suffering. And he turned it on, uh, turned to me, and he thought that he was disciplining me. He would say, you know, that was discipline. It really wasn't discipline, it was abuse. And, and it was abuse because it was coming out of a place of pain. Um, that movie, The Shack, actually brings out an aspect of that. 
if you ever seen the movie or read the book, uh, he, the man in it, the protagonist in it, was suffering from an issue uh, of a of a father's wound. So tell us a little bit more about how God helped you deal with this wound. You went had three mentors, and you've gone through therapy. What was it that was a key to helping you get past it, overcoming it? Well, one of the things I talk about in my book and my own story is choosing to forgive. You know, when when uh, when we when we meet people or encounter encounter people that have unforgiveness, it is the classic saying, as you said, "Hurt people, hurt people." And there's a, a a quote that I say in the book. I think Rick Warren said it, but he said, "When somebody comes at them harshly or aggressively." or is very angry or sharp with with them instead of saying what's wrong with you he would say what happened to you and and look at them as a human being that has a story and a history and a past Mm -hmm. and wondering as we engage with people and encounter people that come across really sharp and really nasty what happened to them? What what got them to this point in their life? And a lot of times what I have been able to place my finger on with people that I'm close to, that are family or friends or strangers that I meet out in public is this, this root of unforgiveness. And, you know, I've said in several interviews, I, I have yet to find somebody that doesn't want to be known for kindness. Uh, a lot of people love the book and resonate with the book because they're all about kindness and they want to see kindness in the world, but they may handle themselves in a poor way. And underneath the surface is this anger, this, 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 this mad temper because they have not dealt with forgiveness and forgiveness is a process and something that you just have to turn over and give to God. And so it took me a long time to be able to, talk about my dad without these feelings rising up to remember the hurt and the pain and the wound from the past and to be able to talk about it in a healthy way and knowing that I had given it over to God. Because when we have unforgiveness, we're not hurting that person, we're hurting us. It's, you know, that old saying of it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Uh, Unforgiveness can eat us up. Mm -hmm. You know, um, sometimes my, my wife would say to me, you're just like your father. And as soon as those words would come out of her mouth, I couldn't hear anything else she said. I would just go like red, you know, it's just like, ah, you know, yeah. and I was re- really going from a, like one to 10. I was, I was, I was at a nine emotionally, <laughs> when, you know, nine and a half, which is all she had to say. And uh, I started, it wasn't until I had some conversation with people, I started to realize how um, the word, when you say you're angry, anger is, anger is really a secondary emotion. Underneath that's sometimes frustration, but most of the time it's hurt. Hurt, a hurt person gets angry very easily and they respond in anger, but underneath the anger, the thought behind the thought of anger is the thought or, or the expression, the, the, the thought of, of of being hurt or actually not even a thought, it's an experience. Something hurt them when they were a child. Like you use this terminology said, what happened to you? Right. We all had things happen to us. We all have things happen to us that are in our subconscious minds that we don't even realize exists there. And really the key to open those doors 
is to say, what was the last time you got angry? What were you angry about? Why were you angry? Right? And, 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 and check with us internally that when we start react, reacting emotionally, it's, before, it's for a reason. There's, there's something underneath there. Um, it wasn't the presenting issue to us in the moment. It was something that goes back, back right. into time, back into our subconscious, uh, back into our souls. So, okay, so you, you, you were abused, you said, by your father, and you said you also were sexually abused. Was that by your father or somebody else? Somebody else. Yeah. yeah at a daycare. At a daycare. So these all became um, things you had to deal with when you, as you grew older. Uh, and you came to realize that the only way you could really deal with them is to have forgiveness. Right. Right. Um, now, most people think forgiveness is a feeling, but it's not. And how do you how do you deal with that in your book about the issue of forgiveness as a feeling versus forgiveness as a choice? Yeah, I I, uh, I definitely talk about forgiveness being a choice. Uh, you know, in that example of we drink the poison and think to expect the other person's going to die. We have to just release our death grip on that person of I'm mad at them. I'm angry at them and they're going to pay. We have to let go and give it to God and say, God, I trust them into your hands. I'm not going to be swallowed up with anger anymore. I'm going to give that person over to you. And so uh, it's a process and it's a choice for sure. Okay, we'll be back in a moment with Greg Atkinson, uh, and we're going to deal deeper with this issue of forgiveness and why. Uh, what are the things that happen in people's lives that we have to forgive them for, and how do we wrestle with that, and how do we come with a remedy and a solution to that in our lives? Back in a moment with Greg Atkinson. We are back with Greg Atkinson, and we're dealing with this issue of forgiveness. And um, Greg has a scripture and a quote that he'd like to um, share with you that I think will be instrumental in helping our audience uh, start to deal with this issue of forgiveness. Yeah, a lot of people had asked me, you know, why did you start a kindness book out with a chapter on forgiveness? Mm-hmm. And there was a couple reasons. One, because I think it's scriptural, but two, I wanted to let the reader in on my story and how I journeyed to get to a place of being known for kindness, which the the, the whole thing that set it up was working through forgiveness. But in Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So in that one scripture, I can see be kind to one another, kindness and forgiving one another, forgiveness linked together. And so I thought it was just a a good biblical way to open up the book. And then as we talked about our children earlier, there's this quote at the beginning of this chapter, the beginning of my book from Anne Lamott that says the most profound thing we can offer our children is our own healing. And um, that was something that was extremely important to me was to not carry over any baggage or wounds from my childhood into my kids' childhood. And so um, that takes a lot of intentionality, but um, uh, I tried to do it as, as best as I could. I might even think in my mind, I was sifting through when making that statement about that quote, 
um, if you really want to be kind to someone, really want to be kind, you're usually going to give them a gift. Let me, let me give you this gift. And so the gift could be a physical thing, tangible, but if I really love my children, which I do, and I want to give them the best possible gift I could ever give them, I would want to make that gift my own healing. Yeah. In fact, it's not just my own healing. I, the more I think about it, it's, it's healing in uh, my wife and I, our healing, you know, as, 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 a, uh, as a unit. You know, I talk to so many people who don't want to get married today because their parents got divorced. Right. And there's so much pain coming out of that divorce. So they don't want to get married because they don't want their children to have children then have to go through that divorce experience. Right. So I thought, about, what about a, a family where um, a family goes from, let's say, a place of um, dysfunctionality and the, and the parents are arguing all the time and the kids hear the parents arguing all the time and then they're able to be healed and the arguments stop. That's the greatest gift you could give your children. That yeah. gift of healing of the parents. That's that's a tremendous thing, and it's really uh, and it's generational. It, yeah. it, it'll go down for several generations. Can so. we talk about you know the the title of your your show, the Father's Heart? I think the Father's Heart is that we would be whole, that we would be healed. Absolutely. Uh, you know that what what God and Christ went through, and um, uh, scripture verses like "By His stripes we are healed." I think God desires our healing and wholeness, so that we have a, a restored heart, a whole heart, a healed heart. You know, in my book, I talk about being kind to yourself, so that you can be, be kind to others. I have a chapter on love, and I talk about loving yourself, so that you can love others. Absolutely, I talk about forgiving yourself, so that you can forgive others. A lot of people deal with unforgiveness with their selves. They have self-hate and um, they, they just, they just, they are so upset at past choices and past mistakes and things that they've done that they can't forgive themselves, much less somebody else that hurt them. Mm -hmm. So in, in my book and in these different chapters, I talk about forgive yourself forgive others, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, love yourself, love others. And so it starts with doing that personal work in our own hearts so that we can be healed and whole. Uh, that brought attention to my mind. I remember reading about how there's been a dramatic increase in autoimmune diseases. Yeah. And the dramatic increase in autoimmune, autoimmune diseases is because it's really those diseases are, are the our own immune system is fighting against our own bodies yeah and and the precursor to that the predicate of that i should say is the thought in our mind of unforgiveness when we yeah. don't forgive ourselves we're literally at war with ourselves inside of our own body but yeah. it's our body attacking our body and that's what an autoimmune disease is and what's behind that is unforgiveness of ourselves in some way shape or form the second part of the Father's Heart talk show that we want to really bring out is you mentioned about being whole. Absolutely, you need to be whole because everyone who's a child of God, we all know from Scripture that we're given a calling and a destiny. And we cannot fulfill our calling and our destiny if we're not whole. Right. And the enemy tries so much to stop us. If he can't kill us or get us to kill ourselves, he wants to stop us from reaching our calling and destiny. And so all these things that we deal with, 
uh, through every day of our life, everything we're bombarded with is causing uh, lies, causing fear, and the lies and the fear running into breaking down our wholeness. And uh, one of the other areas that we're going to talk about, I would like to mention it, is when you start talking about these things, uh, the attacks that come upon us today and in people's lives, there's been a dramatic increase in offenses. The, the um, fake news media and a lot of the different sources of, of communication, all the communication channels that are running against us are creating these thoughts in our minds that we're being offended. I'm, a, I'm offended against racial things, you know. Uh, was it... Uh, Black Lives Matter on one hand is the terminology. Um, but we're offended for, uh, men are offended against women, women offended against men. Black is offended against white or Hispanic or different colors of skin, um, straight, gay. I mean, the, the whole political spectrum is full of this divisiveness and the divisiveness gets energy, in a false sense of the word energy, from uh, offense. And every time somebody is offended, the only antidote towards that offense is forgiveness. Correct? Right. So let's let's what does it say in your book about offenses and how to deal with overcoming offenses with forgiveness? Yeah, so you know, in my book I talk about, you know, abiding and spending time with God. And so Kindness is not something that you can just turn on. You know, I, I'm very upfront in the book that kindness is a fruit of the spirit. And what that means is when you spend time with God, what comes out of you naturally would be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. These are things that naturally come out of you. And so if 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 somebody rubs you the wrong way, comes at you in a harsh way, if you're not regularly spending time with God, then you're going to react in an offended way, in, a, in an upset, mean, nasty way, because you don't have the presence of mind to quickly say, okay, let me be kind, let me be kind. It just doesn't work like that. You know, I have this quote in the book, we're all like tubes of toothpaste. Whatever's inside of you comes out when you're when you're squeezed by immense pressure. Are you filled with anger or graciousness? Um, and I say, what about you? Are you filled with anger or grace? Do you consider yourself wise or are you found lacking in this area? And my chapter on wisdom is about choosing our battles and saying, you know, this is not worth me getting bent out of shape about. I, I shared a story of somebody coming at me in a very aggressive way and I responded with kindness and it took them back and they thought, wow, I thought you would bite my head off. And it, I kind of de-escalated the, the uh, situation. And so um, uh, when we're squeezed, whatever is in us is what comes out. Um, I, I read a book years ago that talked about the more time we spend with God, the more we develop our relationship with God then these fruit of the spirit become naturally. We will naturally be gentle. We will naturally be kind. We will naturally, um, you know, all, all self-control, all the things that go along with the fruit of the spirit. And so kindness is a little talked about fruit of the spirit. That's why I wanted to write a whole book on it and give it its due because uh, kindness is not talked about enough. But when I speak to people and when I've been doing tours with this book, I have found that everybody resonates with it and wants more kindness in our world. Sure. They know 
that we are lacking in kindness, whether it be arguments, like you said, on social media or in the news or media, people are seeing that we are not treating each other as human beings and those made in the image of God with decency and courtesy and kindness and compassion. And so um, I would encourage your listeners to really think about the toothpaste scenario of when you're squeezed, what's in you is what comes out Mm -hmm. so that it's not a fake manufactured, let me quickly switch into kindness mode because when somebody rear ends you, when somebody cuts you off in a line, when somebody yells at you, what's in you is going to come out and there's just not enough time in our brains in a nanosecond to say, you know what, I'm going to respond kind. It's, it's, it doesn't work like that. And so the more we become like Christ, the more we spend time with Christ, the more we abide with God, the more that we react uh, in a manner that lines up with our faith and our beliefs. Yeah. You know, many times I don't like to read self-help books. I don't like to read self-help books because every time I look at them and before I buy them, I take a quick look at them and it's all about disciplining yourself and training yourself and disciplining yourself. I'm so glad you brought up the truth is you can't train yourself to be kind. You can't discipline yourself to be kind. It is literally a fruit of the spirit. And it's unless the fruit of the spirit exists inside of you, it's not going to come out. And no amount, you, you may be able to fake it once in a while to try to act kind falsely and uh, under a pretense, but it's not real. And even the person you're being kind to is going to pick up on it that it's not real. But when you really are, hap- when you really do possess the fruit of the spirits, spirit, the person who's receiving the other side of that also recognize is, is the integrity of that is, is actually in you and it's coming out of you. Um, and... A lot of things that um, we'll get into this thing about wisdom in a moment, but um, in the next segment. But the thought that also struck me when you were talking was that I thought it came into my mind that Jesus was never offended. It, you know, he he knew himself so well. He knew who he was, and he's and he operated as the Son of Man. In other words, he operated out of his humanity. He wasn't operating as the Son of God. It wasn't his divinity he was exposing all the time. It was his manhood, uh, or his, I should say his humanity, his humanness is what he was exposing all the time. And in his humanness, he was not offended because he knew his calling and his destiny. He knew everything. And it was constant communication with the father. Every morning they would talk and every morning they would go about what was going to happen with the day. So when, uh, people said things to him. He he never took what they said as being true, or 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 this is not going to affect me because I know the truth. I know the truth about myself and about the truth of who I am. And we should take a lesson from that: that Jesus was never offended, and we shouldn't be either, because we should know who we are. And we're we'll back in a moment with Greg Atkinson to talk about wisdom. We are back with Greg Atkinson, author and entrepreneur talking about his book, The Secret Power of Kindness. And we were talking about how kindness is not something you could discipline yourself or train yourself to do, but it was a fruit of the spirit. And in order for us to understand more how that fruit of the spirit comes out of us, it's important to understand how it comes into us. And we want to discuss what's the wisdom behind this fruit of the spirit being actively in, inside of us. How does it get there? 
How do we keep it? Yeah, so something I do regularly uh, comes from James. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all uh, and it will be given. You know, so I have for years prayed and asked God, God, please give me wisdom because it's a promise that he'll answer it and that he gives generously. And uh, when I think about how we treat others, um, you know, in my in my book, I talk about what wisdom is and I give a definition of it. And then I talk about uh, the key to unlock defenses of defensiveness and contention around us is the key to unlocking our inner wisdom. Um, and then I say, um, when impulsivity, folly begin to enter into our lives, we can not only lose our own sense of direction, but can be blind to the way our decisions affect others, resulting in unkind behaviors and disrespect. And so um, the Bible says a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. And I mentioned that today people get outraged over every minor irritation. I mentioned social media, as you said, TV, other things. But we, uh, we have become so nasty with each other instead of choosing the high road and realizing that, you know, hey, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to. Uh, as the Bible says, it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. And so I have uh, I've just just laid it out there, as I said earlier, and said, God, give me wisdom, because the Bible says he'll give it generously. And just trusting God with giving me what it takes to lead uh, a life that honors God. Why do you think people are more irritated? It seems like people are more irritated with each other today than they used to be 20 years ago. Why do you think that is? I think there's a couple things, uh, you know, one, we live in such a instant gratification culture. We live in a digital culture where, um, I was, I was just listening to a comedian the other night, like a, a Christian comedian who was talking about how, uh, things used to be different before the smartphone. And, um, you know, back in the day we had a lot more time to ourselves, to think, to rest, to uh, to Sabbath, to unplug, to unwind. Now people are just glued to their phones. They are constantly staring at their phones. It has affected the next generation, the Gen Z and my kids' age. It has affected how they act socially, how they interact in public, how they uh, even show up at a job interview. Uh, I, I have never seen so many kids glued to their phones. There's just, uh, and with that goes, um, we, we talk about these keyboard warriors, people that say something behind a keyboard on social media that is mean and nasty that they would never say to somebody face to face. You know, when we're in the real world and we have an interaction we're not going to write a stabbing, uh, we're not going to say a stabbing, nasty comment to somebody face-to-face -face looking them in the eyes. But when you're sitting at home on a computer or behind your phone as a keyboard warrior, you may fire off something terribly uh, offensive and, and nasty uh, the way you talk to people. And so a lot of it just has to do with the time and age that we're living in and this digital world we're living in. Uh, another part of it is um, 
you know, I was telling you off offline earlier, you know, are we well rested? I have a chapter in my book on rest. And if we are not getting proper sleep, proper rest, proper time off, uh, Sabbath, sabbatical, vacation, if we are, if we are, if we are um, burning the candle at both ends, if we are not sleeping a good amount of sleep, I go into sleep in big detail in my book. But what I have found a lot of times when me, Greg, when I personally am not at my best and I say something that I regret or I'm short with somebody or I come across grumpy or gruff and it's uncharacteristic, people think, what is going on with Greg? That doesn't sound like him. It almost always goes back to a bad night of sleep. Mm. It is it is so tied together that when we are well rested, we are more able to be kind. And again, the, the whole book is about kindness, but um, there are a lot of people who can get consistently bad nights of sleep. And then even though their heart may be wanting to be a kind person, they may bite somebody's head off. And, um, uh, you know, if you've ever seen a toddler in a store have a meltdown, uh, you see a little kid in a grocery store. They're and tired. Stomping their feet and screaming and crying. And you hear the mom say, somebody needs a nap. Yep. It, it goes back to, like you said, being tired and being sleepy. And for a lot of people... They need a nap. They they need proper rest so that we can uh, be as kind as possible in our interactions. In my conversations with my father, um, three or four weeks, three weeks ago, he began to speak to me about the Sabbath. And I've instituted a program that every Friday night for the last three weeks running, um, I take my wife and one of my kids and I invite people to come to out to a dinner, and we're going to have a Sabbath. And we introduce Friday night at sunset, basically read about 20 or 30 minutes of Sabbath prayers. And they're prayers for the father, prayers for the mother, prayers for the children. And there's scriptures that share, if you go back into them, that God says, if you'll honor the Sabbath, there is great blessing and favor, the favor of the Lord and blessings from God come upon those who honor the Sabbath. It doesn't take that long to do. But it's a recognition of what the Sabbath is and that the Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. And there are deeper things in the issue of Sabbath, with the, which the word Sabbath means rest. Right. And God gave us one day out of seven to rest. And that the, the importance in that cannot be overlooked. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And yet it's, one of the, it's probably the commandment that is least observed uh, is the Sabbath. And it's not somebody, it's not a religious thing. It's something that we really just need for part of our life. It's, it's part of the life that God's given us. The other thing you started mentioning was uh, about the, the cell phones. And the Lord's been bringing my mind to attention of how the enemy has successfully, I could use that word successfully, programmed us. And the cell phone is probably the principal tool the principal technological tool in our in in our hands, but the enemy uses it in our hands to program us. We get so much on this artificial intelligence, AI, or these different things sent to us that are bombarding our mind. I mean, if you look at your phone at all and you start 
uh, choosing certain things to watch on it, you'll immediately get advertisements <laughs> sent through the phone. Right. And they're basically programming our minds. It, it's almost as if it's like a spell that comes upon people. And, and if they follow that line of thought process, they will be programmed. And when they program, they are creating a belief system and a context in their mind when something violates or transgresses that belief system, they get offended. And they've been programmed to be offended. And the principal tool that the enemy uses is a cell phone to offend us. So yes, to, to shut the, phone, the phones down, to shut the phones down when you're having dinner with someone. Right. Phone's got to be off. Yeah. To, to get it, not only your Sabbath dinner, every dinner. Uh, have that interaction between people, as you said, eyeball to eyeball. You know, in the, in the Far Eastern cultures, like in Japan, I know, uh, in order to do business with somebody, they want to do business face to face. Right. They just don't want to do it on the phone. There's got to be in, in, in that culture. And it's not just a cultural thing. It's something that's a truth behind that. There's something about pressing the flesh. There's something about looking eyeball to eyeball into somebody's eyes. There's the nonverbal communication that's going on when you can see somebody that's different than if you can't see them. And like you said, you're communicating through a keyboard. That's a whole different way of communicating. Words are so important. That's why the tongue is such an important member of our body. Because it's with our tongue that we speak things. <laughs> right? Out of our hearts, we speak things with words. Right. That those are all deep things. I mean, if you really start to think about them. And they're so important to how we live our lives. And... Um, how we can connect with one another. And certainly the tilt of our communication should be loving kindness. It should be the fruit of the spirit and how we expressing loving kindness through the words that we speak and how we resist um, being offended and we resist the uh, temptations, the literally temptations that are put in our lap, spoken to our ear all the time, see them on our phone. Smartphones now are visual. You can see the podcast. You can see whatever you're looking on the phone all the time. It's a, it's an interesting phenomenon that the Lord has uh, brought us. So I'm really so pleased to having met you, Greg, and understanding the book that you're that you've written. And uh, can you share again with our audience your website and share with the show the copy of the book again to for our video podcast? Sure. So uh, my name is Greg Atkinson, and um, you can you can just go to uh, gregatkinson.com. Uh, Everything is at gregatkinson.com. You can you can find the book. You can find out about me, and you can get links to all of my social media channels. If you want to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of my. Uh, everything I have is in one central spot. So if you just go to gregatkinson.com, you can connect with me on every level. There's also a link to my email, uh, which is just my name, greg at gregatkinson.com. But would love to connect with listeners and would love to encourage anybody in this walk for those that are uh, wanting to live a life of kindness. Is it also available on Amazon? It is, yeah. yeah. Anywhere books are sold. Anywhere Barnes books are sold. Walmart, everywhere. Yeah. So get yourself a copy of The Secret Power of Kindness and get off your cell phones and spend some time with God your Father. Take care. Papa Tom, the Father's Heart Talk Show.